Hello and welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, our feature presentation. Today, I'm speaking with hairstylist Kim Kimball. Kim is responsible for Beyonce's iconic looks, including her period styles in films like Dreamgirls, Austin Powers, and Cadillac Records. Kim chats about starring in reality TV show LA Hair, how she started in film, and what it takes to juggle staff, clients, a business, education, and her own creative work. Picture's up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks Podcast, Kim. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining me. Now, I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, there was a girl named Kim, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... A fabulous hairstylist. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I love that you knew that when you were a small girl. Well, you know, it, it was it was interesting. They always say that you do what you love to do early on. You know, you watch your kids, what they really like to do. And I used to create paper dolls. I didn't have a lot of toys when I was younger. So I would take paper hmm. and I would make dolls out of them. And I would style the hair on the paper dolls. And I always say that Barbie was my first celebrity client. I used to style her hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i i had maybe i think like three dolls but yeah their hair didn't last very long they ended up with like bobs and and stuff like that <laughs> exactly i would you know too when i was young i was in the 80s and i would paint the hair with markers like punk rock colors <laughs> oh my goodness that's awesome <laughs> oh yeah i grew up in the 80s so the hair was like you know punk rock and kind of craziness going cramps all kind of craziness <laughs> so that's cool so did you have creatives in the family yeah my I'm a third generation hairstylist my mother and my grandmother did hair oh wow that's awesome so you grew up around it yeah your mom was in working in salons so you would go in and visit and hang out in there and stuff yeah I was I, I used to uh visit the salon always I'd be sitting there all day And I would also, you know, eventually when I got a little older, I started assisting in the salon. So doing shampoos and tidying up and all that stuff. Wow. But I I learned a lot too with them. So I'm guessing your mom was pretty happy when you decided to continue on the the family family craft? Yep. Well, you know, I kind of, to be honest with you, I said I was going to do hair. She was definitely, I think she's excited that I did it. It, it definitely makes us closer. Her and I are closer um, because we both, you know, we've worked in the salon together. We always live, like she lives upstairs. I live downstairs. She actually just running in and out of here now. And I'm trying to tell her to be quiet, slamming doors and running around. I was quiet. Because she has a key to my house. So she comes in, you know, we've always either lived across from each other upstairs. We've worked in salons together. We've worked oh, okay. separate from each other for a little while, but we always end up together. Mm-hmm. But I, I honestly thought I was going to be a fashion designer first because nice. I would do the hair, but I also would make clothes for my Barbies and all of that. I said, I'm going to do hair and work my way through fashion school. That was because, you know, at the time, Patrick Kelly was big and and Willie Smith. And I really loved that style, you know, cat suits and buttons all over the clothes and 
just all this craziness, right? And, and then I fell in love with doing hair, you know, because that was the first thing that I did. And, and I just stayed with it. You know, after going to like hair shows, I saw that there was more than just standing behind a chair. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to do more than just stand behind a chair. When I saw like all these hair stylists, these, you know, the first thing I saw was hair shows and these hairstyles flipping scissors around and putting them in their pouches and, and, and styling hair on stage and flipping the hair around. And it just looked so glamorous to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. Putting on a show. Yeah. It was sort of like a little hair entertainment, I guess. That's awesome. So you went and did fashion training? Well, I went to beauty college first. Mm -hmm. And so I said I was going to do hair and work my way through fashion school. The only thing I did was I did my first fashion show when I was 18. I graduated beauty college when I was 19. I started, I went all through in high school. So I went, I started at 16. So I went through ROP program, which that's why it took me so long because I had to do only a few hours a day. I could go because I was in high school still. And I worked for a fashion designer. His name was Robert Duvall. And he Mm -hmm. was a local fashion designer and he had me sewing and all that kind of stuff. And I really, I realized quickly, I didn't love sewing. Mm -hmm. And I just like designing clothes. (laughs) I didn't want to do all of that. And so Later, the sewing skills, I'm sure it helped me when I started weaving, doing extensions and weaving and making wigs and all that kind of stuff and creating hair pieces. But I did my first fashion show. They did it for this. It was a Sentinel paper. It was a local magazine in the Merck Park area. And I was featured uh, in the magazine and because they picked one of my outfits because I made a cat suit that was covered in hairpins. <laughs> awesome. Not hairpins. I'm sorry. The pins that clo- the pins that they clothes with safety like safety pins wow. and it made the paper and i was in the in the mag in the paper so i was actually in the paper for being a designer for a hairstylist isn't that crazy <laughs> that's that cool was my last show. <laughs> it was my last fashion show because i got into doing hair but what i found is wow i used to do a lot of hair shows and competitions I would design my costumes to go with my hair. So then it became yeah. a cool thing because I was into all that fantasy hair craziness, you know, and uh, I fe- and hair shows. I fell in love with that first. So designing from head to toe, were you doing makeup on them as well? or I would design what I wanted, but no, I didn't. I, I would actually hire someone to do the makeup and, and someone to actually make the clothes, but I would design what I wanted, you know. Oh, that's cool. Because, you know, it was more avant-garde. Mm-hmm which one of the things that helped me actually get into doing um, hair in the movie business because of that skill set. Oh, right. So what was the first, what was your first job in the film industry? It was a movie called BAPS because what, I had been doing a lot of hair show competitions. That was my thing. I used to win yeah. a lot of fantasy hair competitions, like hair wars. And I created like helicopters that flew, they made look like, you know, it was spinning helicopters in there. That's how crazy the level of hair that I would do. Wow. And I loved it. And it was kind of like designing. It, it kind of went along with that because I would cut pieces and put them together. And so anyway, going back to how I got started is I, I was working in a salon, doing all these competitions, going to all these hair shows, taking all these training and learning so much about hair. And it, in the salon that I worked Someone had mentioned an opportunity of doing hair for Robert Townsend, who was a director, doing hair to raise money for a church. They were, you know, it was a fundraiser. And so it was one of his movies he took and adapted into a a screenplay. So I went 
And I asked to get the job and got the job. I knew about the hair union because my mother moved to California. So we were originally born in Chicago. Mm-hmm. She moved to work under Ann Wallington, who's one of the first, it was one of the first few black people in the union. So my mother worked for her in her salon and wanted to be in the union, but it was really hard at that time to get in. Mm-hmm. So she would tell me about it. I didn't know much about it. I didn't know people really got paid to do hair on movies. I didn't even realize, I didn't even realize that there were people that did hair for, you know, you think people show up to set looking great. I don't, you know, I don't know what I, I know. It, well, it's funny. Cause I don't think, yeah, I, I, I remember that kind of clicking into place and going, hang on a minute. That's a, that's a job. <laughs> exactly. Which I never knew that. So my mother shared that information. So she kind of pushed me when I was working with Robert Townsend, ask him if you can get in a union, you know? And I was like, cause I knew he did film. So I didn't ask him, but I, I after I finished the play, I kept in touch with his uh, assistant and I asked her, do you have any opportunities coming up for me to work on film? Because I had no way knowing how to get in. You know, I didn't even know. I knew it was a union thing, but didn't really understand what that meant. But I asked her and she said, well, I'll see what I can do. But, you know, we have people that we work with and I just don't know if we need, you know, need anybody right now. But she made the mistake of giving me her phone number. So every so often I'd reach out. <laughs> Did any of you have any opportunities now? No, not, nothing right now. And so I, you know, a couple of years went by. I went and opened up my own salon, you know, started my own business and I was doing my thing. And then I get a call from her. She says, hi, Kim. How are you? I was like, good. She says, Do you happen to have any work that you may have done where the hair is very avant-garde or crazy and of course I do. You're like, do I? Yeah. <laughs> I am a what I am a award-winning fantasy hair competition hairstylist. So when he saw the work, he was like, "Wow!" Make a you know, a, a, the story short. You know, he had he brought Harry Holly Berry by my salon to look at the work that I've done in the pictures, and you know, I get a call a couple of weeks later, and. He has a producer call me and say, would you like to work on this film? We have a film coming up that we we need you, we need you to work on. And I said, yeah, I, the only thing is I want to make sure that I'm getting into the union, you know, because I knew that that was what had to happen at that point to, for me to work in film and television. And I, it, was, it was between me and another guy. And because he was not licensed in California, they had to go with me because, you know, because the, the, the actress was fighting for him. Because she mm-hmm. worked with them before. Because, uh, you know, I had, you know, I was a licensed hair cosmetology co- college, college here in L.A. I was able to get the job. Uh, they got me in the union and the movie was called BAPS, Black American Princess. And yeah. it was Halle Berry, Martin Landau and Natalie DeSalle. And so that became my first film. And then after that, I worked on a couple of films with Robert Towns. And he also did Carmen Jones, which starred Beyonce. That's how I met her. You know, and then I worked with her after that, Austin Powers. And, you know, I started doing television. I did Moesha with Brandy. I did the Jamie Foxx show for years. And, and then I got into doing more films after that. But that's how my career started. And it took off. And I was really young. I was like 23 or something like that. Wow. And I mean, the hairstyles that you did in Bats were amazing. <laughs> Thank you. There's some crazy stuff going on in there. That was literally a hairstyle that I listen, I thought that was it. At that time, I don't know if I would even think about doing it now, but the 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 craziest, you know, that was actually 
pictures. He pick, he chose pictures of stuff that I'd done this. And so I got to recreate stuff that I had already worked on, which, you know, and it was great. He really liked it. And it was, it was a great opportunity. And this is, I learned quickly what it was about, you know, because I wasn't allowed to actually be on set because I wasn't union yet. Mm-hmm. So I create all those hair pieces and have to kind of help them, the hairstylist put them on and explain how to work with them because, you know, I, you know, wasn't union. I was getting in the union. They taffed hardly in on that movie. One of the things is that I had to create several of the, the that's the difference is I had to make several of the same look. So mm-hmm. I was, which usually takes me hours to create. I had to create many of those because I had to do, you know, you always have to have a duplicate. So I had to do a duplicate, a stunt double. Then there was a scene where the hair had to fall over and flop, you know, and like it melted or something. The hair melted. So I had to create the look and then melt it, make it look melted, which was quite interesting. In my whole career, I love to take movies that are challenging like that. Yeah. You know, really creative hair wise. So, yeah, that was like I was like, wow. So this is what it is. I've got to make duplicates of the same look. (laughs) Yeah. Which sometimes like you just think, oh, I only had that in me once. I can't do that again. But then you you have to turn into like assembly line. Basically, I had to make like several of the same thing and make it match because that I learned quick about continuity. I learned so much in that film that was so important and really key that it's wow this is really incredible yeah and it must have been was it did you find it a little bit tricky to like not be able to follow your creation onto set like you weren't able to look after it throughout the day it was a little I was sad because I kind of wanted to be on there and see and learn I think eventually they'd let me kind of come and watch you know they let me watch a couple of days they would come the producer was like you know what I'm letting you come but you know, I couldn't touch. I didn't touch anybody's hair on set or anything like that. But I wanted. I wanted to watch it. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just want to. You, you know, you make these amazing creations. You want to follow through with it, don't you? But I mean, awesome first opportunity. Like that's fantastic. It was. It was a great first opportunity. When you've been coming up, whether it's through doing the competition work or the hair shows or salon work or film work, what? has been one piece of advice that somebody has given you that's really stuck with you? Oh, I remember they would say, well, one person said, you got to try to make it easy for yourself. Don't put yourself out there too hard because you've got, because of time, you know, mm-hmm. time, managing time, because you don't want to ever have them waiting on you. you. said, never have them waiting on you. And uh, I think that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. I really work on that. So that's why I end up working with a lot of wigs because I can prep. I like to take my time creating because I didn't want my creativity. So I can prep everything the night before. So it doesn't take me much time in the morning to put the wig on. You know what I mean? I really set myself up for success. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of what I think that they were trying to say, like, don't do anything that's going to be too difficult and have them waiting on you. You know, but I, but I want to, sh- to show what I can do, you know. So, yeah. you know, learned how to create and use my time wisely in prepping and creating things so that it can, so I can, you know, put, you know, move quickly. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, I kept good on time because I didn't want production waiting on me. And that's something I learned early on in continuity. That was another thing, you know, making sure that you are, it's the, you have to be very organized 
And I learned also too, it's a business. You got to manage budgets. It's a business, manage time. And you don't just get free style hair, just style hair as long as you want, as long as you need. No, you have to come in there ready to be prepared to move quickly and efficiently. Mm. And and you got to manage. But because I came in early on department heading. After that, I became a department head right away. Even after my first movie, I did the journeyman test and became a, a department head. I was getting jobs for department heading shows and TV shows and films. So I've always kind of ran departments. I also did a lot of personal you know a lot of personals as well because I would I, I got a lot of clients through working on films and so they would keep me on as their hair person or bring me on to do projects with them yeah absolutely do you do you have a preference like do you prefer to head the department or be a personal or they've both got their kind of pros and cons they both have their pros and cons listen yeah. If we're heading a department is it can be stressful because you are in charge of everything. That you you are the blame for anything that goes wrong, and you have to manage a team. And it's always you know challenging it can be with you know running a team. The good thing is that it gives opportunity for you to hire people, and you can give people jobs and opportunity to work. You know, I like. I like the challenge of running a department too, because I like, you know, creating the looks and designing. So if you're a department head, you get the opportunity to design all the looks. And that's, that's my strongest point, you know, but I'm also, I think I'm a good leader. I can lead people. I make sure people are, you know, I hire people on the team that I find people that are good at certain things. Like my mom is very good. She's also in the union now. Oh, like, awesome. Hey. Yeah. And once I got in, but cause that was her dream and goal when she moved to California, that's what she wanted. But at the time she just wasn't as focused and she, it was really difficult to get in. And so yeah. anyway, but she's great at like managing accounting, like making, mm-hmm. getting everybody their paperwork, making sure everybody fills up their times, making sure like she certain things she's just really good at. Yeah. I think that's a big part of putting a team together is making sure you get a group of people who have different skills so that you can join all those things together and have number one team really right right that's awesome so if we go back a little bit and talk about some of these period looks that you created for Beyonce when she was doing like dream girls Austin Powers Cadillac Records so how much fun was all of that oh that's I have to say because that's when when I did the play remember the play I did for Robert Townsend early on in my career it was a period piece And I fell in love with it because I love the research, researching. And I was really a huge fan of like the Supremes and Motown era and the hair. And I loved that. And I loved, and so I got a lot of references. Like Dana Ross was a huge reference because she had just really cool hair in the 60s. And, you know, I just, I, I love the, I enjoy the research. I enjoy the challenge of making it look like it did. And I came up with my own little techniques of creating those looks. You know, I was double stacking wigs and I was like, you know, working. My, and my mother was a great help because she started styling hair in the 60s. So she had a lot of information she could share with me on how they created that type of look. So that was really fun and really cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And then recreating Etta James for Cadillac Records. That must have been so much quite fun. a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. It was because it was different. It was a different, because it, it was act, an actual, see, when we did Dreamgirls, it wasn't an actual person that we had to duplicate exactly. I got inspired yeah. 
so many different, different iconic people in the 60s. This was a specific, okay, this is, you got to match. And we found actually photos of her and had to match them, you know, during that time. And so I thought that was, that's the difference with that. The research has to be exact, you know, and so you can really see, you know, we have to put you in that place where she was. And because some, you know, some people may look and be like, you know what, that didn't, she didn't wear her hair like that in that time, you know? So you got to be really on point with that. And, you know, I thought it yeah. was a really great, you know, plus I love music. I love music in that time. I love Etta James music. Oh, um, yeah. And so that when I love Muddy Waters and all of that. So it was really cool to actually style some, recreate some iconic person's hair. That's yeah. about our job that we get to do all of that. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's some kind of trick, isn't it? To be able to capture the essence of that person and what you're doing. It's an art form. That's why, you know, it takes an art form, you know, yeah. I mean, who has that good eye for that too. And catch those little things that catch those little things that, that were created back then and understanding. That's why when I, I have a class that I've been teaching, uh, we did four series of period hairstyling uh, classes. I did it with friends and, uh, you know, when I taught my class, I explained to a lot because, you know, I'd done a class, a live class with them. And I mm-hmm. had some of the hairstyles in the union say, I would love to learn how to do period hair on multi-textured hair. You know, so I felt it was important when I was teaching the classes that they understood also what, how black people were doing their hair at that time. Oh, and this is why it looks like this. And this is why it acts. So you understand when you're recreating the look. You get, oh, okay, I have to make sure I do this. I said, yeah, they had to straighten their hair before they mm. finger wave their hair mm. in that kind of hairstyle. Or, you know, they all had different textures. So some hair might be curled, like, you don't have to make them all look the same. So I would take, I took kinky uh, wig and relaxed it so it can actually mimic what the hair does. So you don't buy a straight wig that doesn't look like a, it won't look as authentic. So um, it's having that correct underlying texture to start with to then exactly. get that end result that matches and looks, yeah. looks right. Yeah, that's that awesome. That's the difference, you know. And so yeah. like the person who did Cadillac Records was a Caucasian guy, but he understood texture. So he mm-hmm. did a great job in choosing the right texture of wigs that really look like African American hair. Yeah, and he. I have to say, he did a great job on on because I just did personal on that. I was just Beyonce's hairstylist. Yeah, that's what we did with her. We had to get a wig permit to make it kinky because her hair was going to be wet in one scene, and we wanted it to look like real black hair when it gets wet. And James' hair was not going to be straight when it get wet. It's mm-hmm. going to kinky and so all of those things are super important you know and her hair looked broken off a lot because she bleached it so Mm. i want to make sure when when i cut the wig it looked kind of not too perfect like broken broken off because it kind of chewed on the ends anal when it comes to specifics about creating hair for a period or even for someone mimicking another stylist i mean another iconic person yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And someone who's so well-known as well. Exactly. You want to do as you possibly can. Yeah. yeah. And then you also have the tricky situation as well as Beyonce being so well-known that to, you know, for the viewer to be watching the film 
and not be seeing Beyonce, but be, be seeing Etta James. Yeah, I have to say that was one of the things on Dreamgirls that I kept getting in a little bit of trouble. I don't know how I ended up getting in trouble. It shouldn't have, I shouldn't have been getting in trouble for this. Mm. One time the director said, why are you making her look so gorgeous? How do I not make her look? I mean, there's no way I'm going to make her. You can't make her look ugly. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> I guess because she was, you know, a glamorous person and a star already. Yeah. And her star was shining brighter than the other stars. Unfortunately, that's what she yeah. does. Walks in the room. I could, I could try to. to I, listen, I thought she was toned down from what we normally do. She's normally mm-hmm. blonde, and her hair is like big and long, and <laughs> this is like short hair and dark. Like she's still pretty. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, that's coming from within. That's not me. <laughs> it, was, it was another job where I was a personal. I said, well, make the other girls look pretty. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Oh, that's tricky. You're like, do you see what I'm working with here? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it is funny what ends up, you know, notes that you get about things sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. Okay, I'll try. All the I've ever done about dream girls. I've never said that part, but it's true. Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, yeah. and what other work have you done with Beyonce? I mean, have you done tour work with her or? Yeah. Music videos, tours magazine covers, album covers. I also department head her projects like Lemonade and her her campaigns. Like this recently she did that Adidas campaign and we just I designed a wig that had Ivy Park beaded into her hair. I've done every I've done everything with her from touring. I don't do much touring now, mm-hmm. but early on in her career, I started off with touring and then I went to doing just everything that she did. Appearances, red carpets. I was her like her personal hair person for everything. So I started off in film before I met her. So yeah. I was in film television, then I became a freelance. So I've also dipped away a little bit from union stuff and I've worked with musicians. Like So I would do a lot of, like I worked with Mary J. Blige and Shakira and a lot of musicians Whitney Houston a lot of different music people because because of her I became Brandy you know I became really popular in working on music videos and things like that that's very Um, cool so just talk me through how that position works as a hairstylist when you're on tour with a musical act because that is a world that I have not stepped into and I don't think a lot of film hairstylists have if they've some have been lucky enough to, but I imagine it's a bit different. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. No, not, nothing ever is, I don't yeah. think, Kim. But. <laughs> but one thing I learned since I've worked in so many different genres, I understand how they all operate. TV and film, you're creating a character, things like that, right? When you're creating a hair icon, it's you're creating, you're establishing, uh, uh, first of all, a look for that person. So there's a lot of creativity that goes in developing a look for them. Then also it's live performance. Mm. So a lot of my union experience really helped me in that area, how to anchor a wig well, because, you know, or how to anchor a hair, make it the hair hold because, you know, wind, she's, wind's going to be blown. And yeah, that girl's moving on stage. And moving and, and creating movement in the hair, so making sure that it does move and making sure that it's big and bright. Or you can see, because mm-hmm. you see an image on a stage, you've got people sitting in the nosebleeds. You, it's like they need to be seen. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what 
color or it's big. Like if you notice all the iconic women that perform, like Tina Turner, Shaka Khan, Patti LaBelle. Oh God, what's her name? Just a lot of the your bigger, Diana Ross, they always had big moving hair. You know what I mean? They're performing and they're on stage and they're exuding this image. And so it's a whole nother type of way of thinking. You know, but Sade would go out there with her little ponytail, but it it was her look. She didn't have crazy Mm -hmm. hair, but her music was very subtle. She wasn't dancing. Beyonce's dancing. You know, Tina Turner's dancing. They're throwing hair. So it's really creating that look that fits that person and helping to like create this whole image, I guess. Yeah. And then, you know, you're on the road and you're traveling. That's not not, not my favorite. Going on tour or you're sleeping on a bus and you're traveling. In a movie, you have your stuff there. It's set for you. You just have, you have the convenience of food, being prepared on set, not there. You have to find food. You got to get up on time, make sure you eat. You got to have your stuff, get it on the bus and leave. And sometimes you may, you know, leave right after an event. You don't start till late though, unless they're doing a ton of press, but you start late in the day. So you don't have the whole all day thing. But you're there all night because they perform. And then afterwards, you get ready and get on the bus and you go to the next location. And, you know, you got to make sure you have everything on the road because you might be somewhere that they don't have stuff, you know, because you're mm. in all parts of the country. The beautiful thing is actually seeing, you know, traveling and seeing, but you don't get to see it long. But it's kind of an interesting experience to, to see different places, different parts of the world. You know, they travel to towns you didn't know existed, you know, or there's some places you go that are beautiful, you know, and then there's also places, uh, but it's tough sleeping in a hotel, different hotel every day, every night. Totally gypsy life, isn't it? I actually, I hate flying, so I prefer to be on a bus. And so there's some parts about it I like. I like going to truck stops. Don't ask me why, but the truck (laughs) is so interesting. They've got, it's different kind of like, the convenience stores and it's got so much stuff in it and it's got like showers and stuff in it because truckers have to stop there so I'll yeah. stop at all these truck stops and and, and different well, I wake up and I'm in this, somewhere in the south in some crazy like town but I, I, I the only thing I liked about it was the truck stops yeah, and I can, you can buy food there you can eat it on the bus you can watch movies on the bus if you got a nice bus you don't have a nice bus, it's really gross and you don't love it. So it's a gamble. But most, you know, somebody like Beyonce have probably have nice buses. The tour that I did with her, we flew a lot. Okay. So we flew buses, really. And I would go in and out on spot dates. I didn't go every day. Yeah. And I mean, that's another tricky situation, flying a lot as well. It's just having oh. to you know, pack and unpack and pack and unpack. Oh, and yeah, I have to have an assistant, someone just to help me pack and unpack. Cause you get tired of it after a while. Too much. Yeah. yeah. I don't do as much traveling, but yeah, my, most of my career I traveled. I want to say like sometime I would travel two or three times a week, going back and forth to Europe, back and forth to New York. Yeah. Not so much because budgets are cut so much. Now people don't fly you everywhere. I was blessed enough to most of my career. I'm first. It is, expensive. Yeah, it is expensive, but it did make a difference. I'm not going to lie. Because if I had a flu and had to fly that way without being as comfortable, I don't know that I could have made it. It does take a toll on your body after a while. You know, yeah, you'd be exhausted. I mean, you get to your destination and you need to be able to do your job. And sometimes you get off the plane and you have to go straight to work, which I did many times. Red eyes and the stress of traveling. Traveling is stressful. There's so many different ways I don't even want to get into that because as long as it can be stressful, but traveling is a stressful part of the job. But 
also it's great to, I've seen so many places or, and I've experienced so many things that I, I, it's great to be able to now in hindsight, go back and look and see what I've done and where I've gotten to go. I wish some places I could have stayed longer and really enjoyed them because mm. I didn't enjoy them as much, but at least I can say I've seen the world, a lot of places. I've been on almost every continent out there. However, it is stressful on takes a toll on your body. Like you feel it now, you know? And yeah. so at the time the adrenaline was going, I'm working, I'm going and going and going, going. And it was fun, but stressful and interesting. And I've had times I cried because my car wasn't there. So when you're doing a movie, it's so much more organized. People are well, they're well organized. Travel with a movie is different. You're going with a group of people and yeah. transportation set up. You ain't got to worry about any of that stuff. There's food. Productions, they, they really are the most organized part, you know, the whole hair world, I'll say. Yeah. I remember, I still remember years ago and I would, I think I'd done like three jobs in a row and it was just, you know, every day someone was telling me where to park and telling me when to eat and do all this type of stuff. And then I had some time off and I was driving into the city and I was like, where am I going to park? Where is locations to tell me where to park right now? <laughs> it's like, I miss my, my film people telling me what to do and where to go. It's hilarious. Yeah. So out of everything that you've done, is there a type of project that you haven't done that you would like to? Let me see. Let me think. Gosh. Whether it's a genre of film that you would like to give a go or. You know what I would love to do? I would love mm-hmm. to do. I love like like all those old like Victorian movies. Like they do, they do a lot of it in like the UK and Scotland. Mm-hmm. You know, in Europe, they do a lot of those big period pieces or something like Game of Thrones. <laughs> like I haven't done anything like that. That would be cool to do. Yeah. So something with the big hoop dresses or some type of fantasy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've prepared for it before for other stuff, but never mm-hmm. for a film like that, of that kind of film. Where was all that? That might be, I think, because that's a whole nother creative, you know, type of film. Listen, I've done Marie Antoinette and put boats in it and all kind of craziness because I, I love that, that picture of, you know, the women that had, I did one with bird cages in it and all that kind of stuff. And that's yeah. challenging. So I would love to do a film. I did it for other things, more theatrical, mm-hmm. stuff, but I haven't done it for a film. It might be fun to do something like that for a film. Like if they did the story of the women that wore their hair like that with bird cages and all that. Because of fantasy hair, it kind of takes me there a little bit. So I would love to do something like that or space. I love, you know, the closest thing I, Wrinkle in Time was really crazy, creative hair. Women from the Universe. That was my way of trying to do a little bit of futuristic, but I'd like to go all the way futuristic, like something. I can't, I don't know of a movie that's really futuristic when it comes to hair. Yeah. yeah, I think it's 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 interesting because there's so many directions you could kind of go in, yeah. isn't there? But yeah. it, of course, at the same time, you're relying on the director's vision and then costume exactly. designer yeah. and kind of yeah. making it all fit together. Exactly, exactly. That's the that is a challenge, and I, I I don't know. I kind of enjoy that process as well. But I will say it would be you know if I wanted to do a hair show. I mean, I've done plenty kind of futuristic stuff for hair shows and my own creative stuff. But it would be fun to do something like that for a film. Yeah, totally. Because you know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's creating a another universe of sorts, isn't it? Creating yeah. the look for another world. So that's what I, that's the one thing when I did Wrinkle in Time, the director was like, oh, these women are from the universe. And I didn't have any reference. 
what is women from the universe? And so there's nothing I could reference. I had to dig into my creative mind and say, okay, how do I create women from the universe? Because I had no references to find other than sci-fi or something like that, but it was no, like nothing to copy. I had to actually use my mind, my brain to create, okay, what would these women be like? I had, so I had to pull from things like sci-fi, but at the same time, these women are, so they're from the universe. So I was inspired by, you know, like minerals and <laughs> I'm thinking, so like, that's why we did certain hair colors and stars kind of have going on, you know, the colors of like what a star looked like. So I would get inspiration from those type of things to create the looks for uh, Wrinkle in Time. Because, you know, it wasn't too sci-fi, you know, but it, you know, but it had to look like women. They couldn't look like women just coming from the office. No, (laughs) there was something fantastical about it. Like, I mean, everything, their costumes, their makeup, their hair, they were, they were a situation. Like, it It was was very cool. There was a lot (laughs) lot going on, but that was what the director, you know, this is how, how it worked. But I did like the challenge of having to use my mind, but I'd done fantasy. So I, I wasn't intimidated by it at all. But the, the thing was not to make it too fantasy, mm. not like what I would do in competition, make it a little relatable, but yet make it a little creative at the same time. Yeah. Cause I guess yeah. you don't want to take the eye away from what's actually happening exactly. in the story. Yeah, right? Crazy. It just didn't, I don't think it merited for that also based on the clothes the clothes were like you know and each woman had we had you know through wardrobe i was looking at the clothes and when i would look at the clothes it would help me figure out plus the director telling me like for example i know that mrs who i believe it was she was all different cultures so everything about her hair was created was like mixing cultures you know what i mean also Mm -hmm. um mrs what's it was more ethereal you know now i probably would have done a different color but the director wanted red. So I went with red, but I, you know, it is more pastel-y to me and more, you know, angel-y kind of and Tinkerbell-ish. Like she was more like a Tinkerbell kind of person. So I would have probably done a different color, but mm-hmm. I it still worked. And then the Mrs. Witch, what was her name? I think it was. She was more, you know, the, the, the queen of the universe. And, you know, she's 30, 30 feet tall. So her hair was more bolder and the colors were very metallic. You know, so I had different things that helped me create them because they were the ones that had the most, I want to say, creative look. However, I know there was a scene where we had to do these mothers that lived in outer space. And so, you know, I did their hair in a bun, but turned it into like a sphere ball. So it's like they, they have like the so, so it was sort of like a bun, but it was a sphere, like a planet sitting on top of their head. And we had to do it was like kind of like a scene where it was like, oh, God, what was that movie? Steph, Steph, it was like Stepford Wives kind of thing, mm-hmm. it was yeah. like a space Stepford wife kind of thing. And so they all had to have their hair in that ball. So when I could design that look, I'm like, all these women have to have a ball. That was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Trying to create all those balls for all different colors and all different textures because they all had to have their hair match their hair. So it wasn't like we, and I thought it made sense because they had all kind of women, different colors, different ethnic backgrounds. And so that was a challenge, but that was, a, you know, I could have just done a simple ponytail, but no, I wanted a ball because they were from a different planet. You yeah, know? it's cool. a challenging, but it was fun. You know, yeah. I think a lot of the challenging things are end up being a bit more fun, don't they? 
they do. It's worth it at the end when you get the final result. I seem to find myself always on jobs that do that, that challenge me. And I'm happy about it because it made me very resilient. Like you can hire me on any job and I could probably, you say, I need you to do this. Like I can knock out extras. Like because a couple of times for friends, I came and worked background for them. You know, I would have 20 people, like finger waves or whatever. So I would have to do like, you know, 10 people. I can knock them out really quick, you know, because I, because I'm so used to doing so many things. You yeah. know, I oversee like 20, 30 dancers for Beyonce. Or we did, we've done like three or four Super Bowls. And then you recently did Shakira's Super Bowl with, with, with J-Lo. They did the Super Bowl recently. And we had 20 dancers, 30 dancers. And I always oversee all the, the hair for that because the artist wants to make sure they have a certain thing with the hair. So then I have to hire a team and then we have to prep it and do all that stuff. And so I'm used to doing that too for movies. It's so interesting how it kind of ends up going hand in hand. The experience of working on films and big films that required a lot of hair makes it easy for me to do stuff like that. Yes. But I seem to find it. <laughs> I seem to find those jobs that require a lot, which I'm, I'm not mad at it at all. No, no. I'm not, I'm not afraid of work. No, I don't. I think most of us in this industry, you, you can't be afraid of work. Oh my goodness, you're in the wrong line of work if if you if you're lazy. I think. <laughs> yeah, but there's there's some out there. But there's some out there. I know, but you know, are they? Uh, do they get enjoyment? Are they fulfilled? <laughs> if they're not challenging themselves. You know, but hey. Yeah. Well, each to their own. Everyone's different, aren't they? Um, I was going to say too that Wrinkle in Time, you went to my home country down in New Zealand. Wow, I loved it there. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I heard your accent and I was like, Ugh, but I wasn't sure. But New Zealand, first of all, I went to, I did a movie in Australia for four months. I was down at Kangaroo Jack. It was a movie. That was the first time I've done something like that. It was a men mm-hmm. guy. I was doing his hair. I was his personal and they took me down there in Sydney and I was in Cooper PD and Alice Springs. I was all over Australia. Oh, wow. yeah. And I had, you know, we'd have weekends and I one weekend I said, I really want to go to New Zealand. I didn't get to go though when I was there because I wanted to go and experience New Zealand because mm-hmm. a lot of people from the crew went over there, but I just didn't feel like I had enough time. So, and I was, I was afraid to go and not get back on time because it's still, it's even though it's close, it's still a little plane ride. Anything can yeah. happen. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I got blessed years later to do a movie that took me to New Zealand and I had a great experience. I actually got to fly on top of a glacier. Awesome. Which I thought was cool. I'm like, I'm up here on the snow, but it wasn't cold. I mm-hmm. thought that was, because on top of the glacier, it looks like it's cold. It's not that cold up there. It was yeah. not that. But there were so many cool things about New Zealand. I have so many pictures when I was there. Hit by a lake where they do a lot of hiking there. It was a mm-hmm. little town. It was in a small town. We were in the second part down. The second. There's like two parts to New Zealand. That's like a north and a south. South Island, South Island, yeah. You guys, yeah. were you down around Queenstown? Yeah, Queenstown. Because yeah. we were in a couple locations. And I really enjoyed it. And the, I, I realized what good food was too, because the oh food, yeah, <laughs> it goes right through. That's how I know. I said, like, "Oh God, our food is poison." It's nothing like that there, you know. But yeah, I had I was so happy. So that's cool. Awesome. I'm so glad Easy. to hear it. Your reaction was priceless. I was just like, oh, she must have enjoyed it. Yay! And I always I want to go back. Like, there's a bunch of little islands too, not too far from me. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, check it all out. It doesn't take long to see New Zealand. It's so small. So I got we, we drove a lot. 
hours, you know, from locations to locations. Yeah. So yeah. I got the beautiful part, you know, like the countryside and it was beautiful. Like driving yeah. through seeing the mountains and, and the cows were passing and oh my God. It was so in a lake. Oh, I just like I wish I could stay in one of those uh, cabins up there by the glaciers. Yep. That's awesome. Hey, now I wanted to talk a little bit about LA here. So the reality TV series that followed you and your staff in your salon. Now tell me, how does something like that come about? It was so interesting. Someone emailed me, my publicist at the time. I didn't have that publicist anymore. Emailed my publicist and said, we want to talk, see if Kim is interested in doing a reality show. And I just, and she said, I'm not with you anymore. I was, but she, she forwarded me the email mm-hmm. and I actually responded and I responded and I said, well, let's meet. So I met these, these couple and these producers and they said they wanted to do that. And I was like, I didn't think much of it. Cause to be honest with you, I had, I had got into developing. I wanted to develop my, you know, TV shows. I wanted to produce and develop beauty content shows. I got turned down so much. So I just was like, this probably is nothing. I was like, but I'll follow the lead, whatever. I didn't think anything would happen. I did the little real thing they wanted to shoot and they sent it to a production company. Production company said they wanted to meet me in person. So I went to meet them, but I got turned down so much that I thought nothing was going to happen. And it really was the shows that I was developing really wasn't about me and my salon. It was other things because mm-hmm. like, no one wants to see me do a show about me and my what I do. Right. Except for these people. And I was like, this is not going to happen. Right. So I was like, whatever. But I just followed the steps. And then next thing I met the production company. He said, oh, I really like you. And then I say, okay, fine. Now, normally I would go on pitch meetings. I didn't go on any other pitch meetings. They went and did pitching on their own. And I know. I get a call and say, oh, congratulations. WeTV is going to pick up the show. And I'm like, what? And I also, too, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do a reality show about my salon because I know how dramatic salons are. Yeah, I was going to ask that because they like, well, reality shows are just all about drama, aren't they? So, I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen. And I said yes so fast. And it, it was because I had no choice. I didn't have time to think about it. They were ready to move. When something works, when it works for you, it moves fast. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is happening. And the day they brought the cameras in my salon, I was like thinking to myself, what are you doing? I've never even worked on a reality TV show other than like American Idol, the union ones that are mm. like, you know, but this was not that. What are you doing? And I was so scared. I didn't know if there were going to be cameras hiding in a bush. I, I didn't know what to think. However, it became to be something I, you know, it was a little stressful, but I kind of enjoyed it because I got to be an executive producer on the show. I got to produce a lot of uh, content for the show, like all the hair stuff that I would do. I came up with a lot of ideas of what to do on there. The Sometimes it was very dramatic, though. The drama was a little tough, but I was very strong in keeping myself out of certain things. Yeah, I think because it's, I mean, your image is on the line really, isn't it? So you wouldn't want to be getting... What I learned is you can't control what other people do and Mm-mm. the camera changes people. People that I had worked with for years changed. The camera comes on. And so I did. So there was some ups and downs there, but I don't regret it because a lot of people admired the show and admired what I did. You know what I mean? On the show. Yeah. And Really, and, and so it got, so I got used to it, and I liked it because I was really camera shy before that, you know. Even though I'd done a lot of interviews and I did a lot of, I do, a, I would do a lot of makeover shows. I was the queen of makeover shows. I was mm-hmm. on everybody's makeover show who had one back then. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, doing that really 
changed everything. So now even when I do stuff like that, I understand TV in that aspect a little bit better than before because I had five, it went on for five or six seasons, LA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask what kind of effect the show had on like your career and the salon and it helped my salon. I got more people coming to the salon. Although some people were scared to come to the salon because they thought they were going to be on camera, but my salon was so big, 4,000 square feet. You didn't even see half of it. Yeah. You saw a small portion of the salon that was on camera. And so we were very respectful to clients. And most of the time we had them bring in, like I wouldn't let them work on my real clients unless I got permission and they were okay with it. Otherwise, they had to cast people and bring them in. That's fair. I think that's good. Yeah, it worked out. I was listening. It worked out great and people really admired it. And it took me in a whole nother direction. I started doing more appearances at trade shows and hair shows. And I got to go around and meet people. And I I just did something different. And that's the one thing about my career. I do jump around different things. And it's been great to do that, you know. Yeah, well, you obviously just, you know, an opportunity presents itself and you're like, I'm just going to see where this takes me and you go for the ride and obviously it pays off. That's awesome. Right. So it did. So what kind of skills do you think are necessary to, I mean, you manage people, business, uh, you've got like a hair product line. I mean, there's so much going on and then still to continue being a creative artist. So what kind of skills do you think are necessary to like balance and juggle all of that? Yeah, it's really tough. Resilience. You mm-hmm. must have to be very resilient because you're not going to get a lot of sleep. I had to juggle. Even with LA Hair, I'd be doing real jobs sometimes um, in the middle of shooting LA Hair and I had to juggle that or even make it a part of the show. Sometimes it would have to become a part of the show. It was so many things going on, but you have to be very resilient, very organized. You got to have a good team. You just got to, you're not going to get as much sleep and rest. And it's a lot of sacrifice Mm. to do all those things. We want to do that much. Absolutely. It was a lot. I'm I'm not going to lie, but I started off my career always doing a lot. I always worked, I worked long hours before I started working in film and television in the salon. I'd be booked from seven in the morning till like, I'd be there two or three o'clock in the morning. So I built up a stamina early on. I think salon work really does that to you. I mean, God, I used to, I remember not even like eating until sometimes like four or five in the evening because you just keep going and going and like next client, next client, next client on your feet all day, just going for it. So yeah, absolutely. So what professional ethics do you think stylists should take seriously? Business, I think for sure. You got to have some kind of business to do any of it, some kind of business skills, because I think that's important how business you are when you're in these situations. I mean, as a hairstylist, I took so many classes, cutting, working on wigs, shoot, everything. Every class that came about, I took it because I didn't know where I was going to, you know, how this was going to all work, you know, Mm -hmm. where, you know, what this was like. But I felt prepared because I think that, you know, I I just think that it, my my career has taken me so many different places that I never knew and opportunities. And I'm so glad that I was prepared. I had those years in the salon to really build up my stamina, to practice all of those things that I learned, you know? So when I got on set, there's, cause there's no time. They're not waiting for you to figure it out. You gotta know what you're doing and you gotta move quick. And I, I, I would say that those four, I, I was only in the salon four years, maybe even three and a half years before I started working on set. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I had years in the salon before I worked on the set, but all those years I was taking up classes and I had a lot of clients. 
sometimes 20 to 30 people a day. So I was working really hard, but it gave me a lot of experience. And so I'm grateful because I feel like, oh, wow, I can do a lot and manage a lot. And I I started business right away too. So opening up a salon, that was, you know, a lot. So I struggling a lot early on. And managing people, I mean, that's a big part of film work as well. When you have a team working yeah. under you, you have to, and they're creatives, like the artists as well. So that can sometimes, I think, be a bit more tricky to manage people who are creative. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is not an easy task. And luckily I had some experience, so it did help. Now, I'm not a person that do, that will uh, recommend people to do to take on a lot because I it's really hard to do a lot of things well. Yeah. I will say that. Can't say I didn't have my challenges. Can't say that it wasn't, it wasn't always, it wasn't perfect. It was not perfect. Yeah. So as an experienced stylist and you offer education to others yourself, so what is something new that you have learned lately that excited you? What I've been learning lately has nothing really to do with hair union stuff though that I was excited about because I feel like early on I did a lot of training and learning and stuff like that. So what I've been excited about lately that I'm learning, because for years I've been working with hair pieces and wigs and cutting and coloring. I did so much in my career when it comes to hair, just yeah. even starting in the salon. So is it something, do you want it to be hair related or do you, does it matter? No, I mean, it's a, it's a career related. It doesn't well, need to necessarily be. It's still kind of related to hair because yeah. it's, it's, I've been learning about creating more like entrepreneurship so more like creating products and developing products and 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 selling my hair products through uh, specific stores and things like that so that that's like my new project my new excitement is learning how to manage and build and create a brand so that's kind of hold on again sorry about that (laughs) i got stuff going on so today so everybody's showing up now but i guess for me creating, I guess the newest thing would be like entrepreneurship, creating and developing products and, and getting that business to moving and learning more a little bit about technology, you know, and somehow marrying that with what I do. Absolutely. It all goes hand in hand really, doesn't it? It does. So what's next for Kim Kimball? What have you worked on recently that we can look out for? Well, um, I cre- I'm creating my own digital TV show. That's cool. But, but it's, so that's kind of something I'm excited about. I created my own digital TV show that I produced, created, and, and kind of doing it myself, my YouTube channel. And that was kind of fun to do. So is that launched? It's not launched yet. We just shot our first episode. Um, so we'll be launching soon, though. Yeah, that will be launching soon. My products are, you know, are, we're doing more products in stores. We have a launch coming out in Sally's Beauty. We're getting ready to do a new launch of products on HSN, which is a home shopping network. Yeah, we're doing uh, launching a line of wigs. That's what I'm saying. Now I'm into more entrepreneurship. Although, however, I still do TV film. I just don't do it as often because I used to go from job to job. But mm-hmm. I'm learning as an entrepreneur, you have to have you have to give it because I've had a business for a long time, but I wasn't able to give it much time yeah. because. I was always working, you know, but of course the circumstances have changed a little bit. Now I have more time. I'm enjoying that part of my life, but yeah, I don't have any movie or TV projects yet that I'm going to be working on yet. Well, you got your own TV channel situation happening. So that's very cool. 
I love that. Yeah. I've been dealing with that. Like maybe that's the kind of new creating like YouTube tutorials, doing online consultations with like mentoring others. So that's why I said when I say more digital stuff, that's what we've been doing. So I've done classes, a Zoom class, I've done like a Zoom consultations, Zoom mentor situations. So I'm kind of liking this digital world. Uh, we just also did a game show on our, well, not a game show, but we did get a giveaway, like a Wheel of Fortune for hair. Oh, that's cool. So like those kind of things I'm getting into different, is so different from working on sets and stuff like that. It has been really creative, but yeah. I'm sure there'll be a project once things kind of change that mm-hmm. will be coming up and I'll probably take it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you'll, I'm, you'll always get drawn back in. <laughs> never leave completely I will get more time to do other things so something I ask everybody is what one tool or product would you never want to be without so you have your whole kit but if there was something that was taken out of that kit that would freak you out what would that tool or product be I'd be lost without a flat iron yeah I could do so much with it and there's like no way I would ever not have one yeah like I always gotta have because I can curl I can flat iron with I can do many things Nice. I like how quickly you answered that question. You're like, flat iron, that's it. <laughs> I know, because I know that's, that is the thing that if I don't have it, I will lose my mind. So mm-hmm. what one person would you like to hear on the podcast? One person i like to hear on the podcast? Yeah. You know, I like Joy Zapata. Joy Zapata? Yeah, I mean, she's got a wealth of experience, doesn't she? She does, and she does great movies. I would like to hear about her. Yeah, I think I would like to hear her on there. That's awesome. Sounds great. Hey, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Kim. It's been really awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I Wow, you took me down memory lane. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so excited to know that you're from New Zealand, one of my favorite places that I've ever visited outside of, you know, home. That's awesome. Thanks, Kim. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.